Hey, you found us. Welcome to Comfortably Uncomfortable, Not Another Running Story. I'm Megan Fanning, and I'm joined by Sean Meehan. We created this podcast to continue the real conversations that we have when we get outside to run, bike, surf, climb, or whatever it is that you do. We love the real conversations when boundaries come down, because really, that's when it gets interesting. The information in this podcast represents the views and opinions of Zendurance Now Coaching. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for medical or psychological advice or treatment. We may be right, we may be wrong. Either way, be a solid human. If you're thinking about making questionable decisions, please seek out an appropriate professional. How are you on this fine day? I am so happy. You're so full of shit. You're such a fucking hot mess. We just had discussions about what a hot mess both of us are today. But you know why I'm wonderful now? Why are you wonderful now? We have have guests on the podcast. Did you? What guests? (laughs) We have Hannah and Matt on the podcast today. What? We do. Hey, guys. (laughs) We... Every week, it's like the the intro is always like the most awkward part of the podcast because we've clearly been talking before we start, but then we have to say, hey, how are you? And then we know you're there. Sean knows you're there. We're just introduced. I don't know. Anyway, we do yeah. our best. And then we're not here. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense. Well. Welcome to welcome to comfortably uncomfortable. I appreciate uh, I appreciate you guys being here. It's nice to see you again. I feel like last weekend was so long ago. It really does feel like it's been so long ago with all the recovery I've been doing. Oh, even I had to go through a recovery process <laughs> from taking care of him. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I, so, I, I can almost this- walk on my feet pain free now. Oh, good. Good. For our listeners, um, we were all at um, the Endurance Society Infinitus Trail Races last weekend. So what? why don't you guys tell us what you did last weekend? Not, not all of us. <laughs> yeah, Sean, you were there in spirit. Sean, you should get there next year. We'll see. I told... That's the so side. I told, that's, the, that's the... God damn it, Megan. Well, I told my daughter that I wasn't going to do any spring races next year. Um, and it's it's a hard weekend. It's like it's like Mother's Day weekend or Memorial Day weekend always. And it's. And so it becomes, you it know becomes what, a weird you know thing. What though, Sean? Um, so Maeve, my daughter, was up there. Lily, um, our friend Sam's daughter. And if Fee was up there with those two, they had a blast. They were they were working. Um, Andy was paying them. So they had jobs every day. They were thrilled with the amount of money that they made. And also because it's in a contained camp and because we all pretty much know each other, I told the girls, I was like, do whatever, just run around, have fun, get dirty. I really don't care what you do. There's a swimming pool too. Yes. Oh, and there's a swimming pool again this year too. Yeah. Yeah. So if Fee wants to come up and, um, hang with the girls she would she would have a blast with them the the temperature of the swimming pool was 62 degrees oh yeah they were in it <laughs> they're kids they don't care people were using it as a cold plunge in the morning for sure for sure <laughs> uh, so, so we 
because Hannah was uh, running in a marathon distance race. And Matt was running in the 888K race. Mm-hmm. R- running being the operative word there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He hiked a lot. Yeah. Well, I learned early on that there are some people that hike at Infinitus that are so freaking fast. You you know those hikers. So uh, there's some pretty speedy hikers out there. So. Yeah, I'm usually one of them. Uh, that week, I happened to not be one of them. <laughs> How far did you get? I, I, only, I, well, I got uh, 200 miles. Uh, nice. 198 officially, 200 unofficially. On day one, I went out and uh, did some irreversible damage to my feet. And uh, I also uh, feel like I may have made myself uh, sick from not eating and not taking care of myself. So uh, the rest of my time out there was kind of an uphill battle against that. So Matt went out on day one and he really pushed hard his first three. So the, the course is built around kind of a wonky figure eight. And so there's a short loop and a long loop and, to do a full loop is both of those. And his goal was to do two full loops. The first three short, like segments were great. He went out late for the fourth of the segments and he hadn't eaten enough. It was getting dark. He got his feet wet. And when by the time he came back, it was 2 a.m. And I wasn't there because I was home taking care of the dog. And instead of hydrating, eating something and taking care of his feet. Matt left his wet socks on his feet, did not eat, did not drink, crawled into bed and went to sleep and then proceeded to put miles in on these feet that had been destroyed while hiking soggy all night. And then didn't let me look at them for two days, two and a half Mm. days. So that by the time I finally got to them, I was actually really afraid that if they got any worse, I was taking him to the emergency room. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't tell him that until the very end, and I was able to reverse the need to take him to the ER through some very painful foot care. Um, and he learned a big lesson in in the importance of his feet when he's hiking and doing these type of crazy events. Yeah. <laughs> So, Hannah, I was trying to figure out, was Death Race the first time I met you? Was it at Death Race? I think so. It was either Death Race. No, it was definitely Death Race. And that was 2000. Was it the year I did it or the year after that I was up there with uh, taking care of Patrick and Amy? I think that because that was 2014. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was that year because I volunteered for the for Death Race the first time in 2013. Yeah. And I didn't know anybody. And then I came back the following year to crew for some friends. That was Adam, Barbary, and <laughs> um, Ashley Sturgeon. So, you know, I have a memory of when I did the 888. Um, I got in and it was very late at night and I wanted to do exactly what you did, Matt. And I remember Sean standing over me and like, he's like, I'm literally not going to leave you and you will not sleep until you eat 
all of this. And I don't remember even what it was, but it was like a bowl full of food. And I was like, there's no way I can eat it. He's like, I'm not leaving until you eat. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I, like, I honestly ate it and risked vomiting because that was a better option than having Sean stand there and yell at me. So, <laughs> yeah, it's like... I was I probably would have done the same thing left to my own devices because it's just you just want to like crawl in a hole and die. That course. I don't even know what it is about that course, but it sucks. It sucks the soul out of you. It, it's it really is a black hole. <laughs> yep. It's it's really just all of the trail in Vermont. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, you're not especially uh, when you get in, like north of uh like Killington area that the the trails really tend to change in Vermont for sure. Well, and it's a combination of the trail itself, but also you start out in the morning and we had mornings that it was below freezing. And mm-hmm. then by mid to late afternoon, it got up into the 80s. And so mm-hmm. like vast temperature changes and then the bugs are relentless. Oh. <laughs> I, I really look at it uh, kind of like a, a puzzle, uh, though, so to speak, you know, like so- solving a, a long um, multi is it's more than it's more than having your body trained and, and having your body ready to to do that you mm-hmm. also have to have uh you know a stroke of luck you have to make sure that all the things are lined up the right way you have to figure out you know how to uh break this up into like say for example 24 hour blocks rather than looking at it as you know i have mm-hmm. 10 to 500 miles how am i going to do this you know what i mean um Solving the puzzle is important. Did anyone finish this year? No. No. One one runner got uh, pretty far. Uh, Tim Barbie on day eight uh, DNF'd with 400 miles, uh, which was rather impressive. He was on pace to finish, and um, on day eight he just ran out of energy. Yeah. He just he was in this calorie deficit, um, mm-hmm. and like the biggest bonk. I have ever seen. And there was just no digging out of it. It was not a small bonk that you could shove some chews in your mouth, get some sugar in your system and keep going. It was two hands on his poles, put them in the hill in front of him and try to move forward and just stumble backwards. And, you know, his whole, everything about him had changed his demeanor, his, the look in his eye, the way his body stood, um, I was on the course will break you. That's it. That course will break. It will. And so it's a prime example of just how important all the pieces are. Andy said this year, he said, I believe the three strongest pieces, your feet, your nutrition and your sleep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Matt let his feet get destroyed. And that was what ended him and ended him early Tim let his nutrition and him and late in the game. Um, and of course you feel fine until you don't in that instance, like there was no real change until it was like, he literally hit a brick wall. Right. I think also the, the fourth component that I've seen is the emotional piece because when you're out there in the woods repeating the same figure eight loop again and again, any demons that you have, um, they're going to come up. 
good. I mean, there's not only are the demons going to come up, it's like the good and the bad comes up. Things are extraordinarily funny and silly and happy, but then there's also like any dark stuff that you have, just be prepared to meet it. And I, I watched a couple people just go, I don't want to go back out there. I'm done. You know, when I was waiting at the finish line, I saw a couple DNFs of different races and people are just like, I have no desire to go back out there. I mean, they were physically fine, but they just, and, and, and I get it. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. I, I, uh, I definitely experienced an emotional roller coaster on my time repeating laps on that course. Mm-hmm. I would get messages from him that just were like, you could tell he was in a hole and then the next time he'd have service, it was like he was on the summit of a mountain as happy as could be. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And there's, there's kind of no, no known, there's no way to know what is going to happen where and when on the course I've in years past, I've been on the course and I've sat in the middle of the trail and bawled. Mm-hmm. And then five minutes later, shake my head, stand up, brush myself off and just sigh and go, okay, got to keep going. And then next thing you know, I'm laughing and and chatting with somebody and you would never know that however long ago I was sitting there bawling my eyes out. It's, it's funny because when, when I was out there this year, we walked by a certain spot and I said to Bill, I said, this spot, I had this memory that came back to me exactly what you said. I was so down and so miserable. I wanted to just sit on that rock and just cry. And I thought to myself, you know what? If you're going to be sad, be sad while you're moving forward. (laughs) Really? And I was like, okay. So, and it was like in the middle of the night, I think it was like two or three o'clock in the morning. It was pouring rain. I'm all by myself. I don't see anybody else out there. So I'm just miserable. And next thing you know, um, I was singing uh, Tom Petty's Breakdown. (laughs) <laughs> and just all by myself in the middle, like screaming it at the top of my lungs and just having the time of my life. Like, okay. <laughs> this is, and that's it. It's just that is infinitus. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I think that's part of the intrigue while we keep going back. There is something about it. It's, it's like, oh my God, it's so awful, but oh, it's so much fun. And it's the experience of, Doing it, doing the hard thing with other people, I think that really makes that special. You know, it's 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 you're you're there for an extended period of time. You know, it's it's one of the longer multi-day races you can get, and it, it's really it, it's really like pain summer camp. You know, you go out there, you're sure. doing the hard thing together, and you just create these bonds with people. Mm-hmm. For sure. And see, and I think it's all about the people, mm-hmm. like. And having the people around you while you do this hard thing that get it, that understand the push, that understand the drive. I think, I think it's about the people. I mean, it's about the race. Don't get me wrong, but nobody is like, oh, I'm here to beat you. Nobody is oh, I can only take care of this person. I mean, I know that I help anybody who needs help. Mm-hmm. Or who you are, I don't care what shape you're in. Yeah, let's talk about that real quick. Let's talk about how helpful Hannah is. <laughs> I think that uh, no matter 
what my results were in that race, no matter what happened, every single person there wanted me to be there solely because it meant that she was there. Because <laughs> 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 Hannah, not only like Tim Barbie, when, when he was, when he was ha- experiencing some, some lows, he wanted his uh, family brought in. So he texted his wife, his wife arranged a flight and he just looked up and said, my, my wife is flying in. Is there anybody that can uh, pick her up? Of course, Hannah, absolutely, I'll do that, you know? Actually, what he said was that we're looking at, at rental car options right now because it's about to get into 1130, and I'm like, I'll go get her. Yeah, either way, she jumped right on that. She, she uh, mm-hmm. doesn't hesitate to put her hands on other people's feet and help them. Mm-hmm. She... Um, she, she stays up late at night. Like there were plenty of nights where I went to bed at my regular time and she stayed up just to see, you know, this racer come in from the the hundred, this person come in from the 88 and she, she's the, probably the most supportive, uh, like non-crew person for any other racer that's there. It's amazing. And, uh, you know, I, I did runs to the store one night for the 888 racers. I made dinner. They, everybody who does the 888 gets provided dinner at night. Well, one of those nights, I decided to make dinner. Um, I met people on course if they needed, you know, as he said, I'll touch people's feet. I don't like if you need your feet drained, if you need your feet toes wrapped, if you need something looked at, like your feet are your life in this course. I I did the easy. I just I got up and walked every day. She she stayed there and and, uh, helped other people do really the really hard thing, which is get out there and, and take the first step, you know? Crewing, crewing is in supporting is no joke. Is, is really no joke. It's, it's very, very challenging. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's exhausting in its own way. It's its own endurance type of event. Um, while what the racers are going through is a lot of physical, there's of course the mental and emotional aspect, but all they have to think about when they have someone who's crewing for them is they can come in. All they have to think about is, is those miles they're putting in, because he, and again, Matt learned this when he was convinced he could do this without me and didn't understand why I was taking all this time off from work, why I was trying to be there this whole time. And he figured it out, like not having to think about filling your bottles with water and taking care of your feet, not having to think about what am I going to eat when I come in, when he can just say, hey, I'll be in about this time. And then I can go make him food and have it hot and ready for him when he comes in to be able to, you know, kind of manage some of that stuff, which puts a bigger mental load on me. And so I come away mentally and emotionally exhausted. He comes away mainly physically exhausted. I can deal with that. (laughs) But the crew and the support, I mean, that's one of the things that does make this race very different than a lot is that you are all out of a central location. So you see everybody when they come and go with your crew. You get to know everybody who's racing and you root for everybody and you say, how can I help you? And you just jump in and you take care of them because I want to see, I would love to see every single person who signs up for the 888 succeed. Like go 10 days and whether that's get as much mileage as they are capable of in that year or finish. Like, I want to see all of them do the mm-hmm. best 
And so I'm going to step in and help whoever needs it. And sometimes that means that I also help Andy and Will, the race directors. I remember the first year I did this race and it was 2015 or 2016. I can't remember what, but when I was looking at the race, Sean, you said to me, you said, you're going to meet people and they will be your family for the rest of your life. And I was like, huh? I was like, I'd done races before. I was like, okay, Sean. <laughs> but, but really like Sean was very right. Like I met, you know, like, it, like just everybody turns into family. Well, yeah. it's, um, it comes from, right. So not to get into how the endurance society came about, but it comes from the death race family and that like group of people and those bonds that are formed over like immense amounts of like (laughs) trauma that exists in in a way that you see people all the time when you're racing. So I've done, you know, I've done a 255 mile race. Um, you don't see the same people all the time in the infinitus in any of the endurance society events that are multi-day um in the the past death race in i guess maybe current iterations of death race and uh, other peak races um you see the same group of people constantly you're even if you're not like running alongside of them you'll see them at like they'll come in and you'll be getting ready to leave and you see the same families and the same crew members and all that. And I think there's a, a certain bond that because of the frequency and the amount of time you spend with those people, regardless of, of the race, like what you're doing, like you, you, you just, it's, it's there. And that comes from, like I said, that whole, that whole death race start in family. That's interesting because I, I think that's a really good point, Sean. And that's one of the reasons it makes the race so wonderful. And it also makes it so hard, like the repetition of the course and the repetition of what you're doing, I think, is what takes such an emotional toll. But it's also so amazing and so excellent because in that repetition, we're seeing just what you said. We're seeing the same people. We're seeing each other. We're connecting to crew and to racers. So, yeah. Yeah, I I mean, I, I can speak for infinitus every time i come in it you know somebody else's crew is coming up to me like hey how do you feel how are you, how's it going you know what i mean and it, it's it really is a big communal um effort and i think i think sean hit it right on the head and it, it, yep. it's it's the time you spend and, and i think it's you know that everybody there is kind of like-minded too but that also becomes a double-edged sword in that in the dining hall where everybody was kind of going <laughs> in and out of oh the vortex it becomes a, it does become a vortex in that that's where everybody's congregating and that's where you're eating and you're taking care of your self and your feet and having other people take care of things. And it becomes, it can become very hard to leave that because you have to remain ambitious. Yes. If you, if you want to finish, <laughs> you know, you want to stay where these people are. You want to stay where the comfort is and you kind of have to be able to push aside the idea of that comfort to keep moving. Even mm-hmm. on the, I did, and when I say I only did the marathon, that's not to knock the fact that I did a marathon on this ridiculous course. <laughs> but when you look at what other people were doing, my mileage just was much smaller. So not knocking what I did. 
when I came in from, so it's a nine mile loop and an 18 mile. So when I came in from the nine and came in to take a break, make sure that I ate something because before the race, I didn't eat anything and I ate on the course, but I knew I needed to put some more actual calories in my body. Even I had a hard time leaving and I knew that I was only going out for one 18 mile loop and then I was done. And I still could have just stayed because I was chatting and I was engaging with people. And so even when you're only doing a shorter distance, it can be hard to go back out, especially once these people become part of your family. And that first nine mile loop is no joke. <laughs> of that course is a joke. No, I, I actually think the 18 is easier than the nine. I disagree with that. Really? I, yeah, I absolutely love the nine. The nine mile loop on that course was my happy place, especially when really? you after that. I feel the opposite. Yeah. yeah. And that 18 mile loop, <clears throat> the five miles in between the aid station and the dam, that that demoralized me every single time I hiked it. Mm. Yeah, it was it was the climb. I'm not a fan of Muslimu. I never have been. And I think sure. there's something about Muslimu that just sucks my soul. It it's my like that's where my demons live. <laughs> but sure. I mean, it, it, I only, you know, air quote only did the marathon as well. So it really wasn't a big deal. But I was like, this is freaking steep. <laughs> it yeah, was purposely. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say it's in the bugs. It was just so steep. Oh, it's the first bugs. year I've ever actually worn a bug net. Yeah. So Matt has really long legs with these really big feet that he calls paddles. And he has really big muscles on his legs. And so climbing for him is really nothing. Like he just mm -hmm. puts down and he just goes and when we're on climbs he outpaces me two to one like he can hike twice as fast as me on the ups now depending on what we're doing I can be faster on the downs but so he loves that climb and then the section between the aid station and the dam that he was talking about is full of what the hiking world calls puds pointless well, up and downs. downs and so it's just this and it's like, I just went up. Why am I going up again? But you went down a little bit and then you go up and down and up. And, and it's so it's not like, oh, I get the, the benefits of this climb. And now I just get the easy, you know, fun roller coaster downhill. It's and it becomes drudgery. Uh, here's what I did, though, with that 18 mile loop. Last time I went out on that 18 mile loop. I went out and I had myself a really good day. I think I saw you on my way back in. You were um, you were you were doing great. Yeah, we were so psyched. I was, yeah. I was ear smile at that point, and uh, so I made sure that that was my last my last loop on that one because I wanted to leave that happy memory for next year when I go back to it. Because if I went out again and I had a bad day on it, that would have been in my mind, just like how like Muslimu is is a bad memory for you. Yep. you know? mm -hmm. so, have good memories on both of those loops going into it for next year. So hold on a second for next year. So are you doing the eight, eight, eight again? Oh yeah. Yeah. I have to keep going back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I will be there next year in some form or fashion. I don't know which race. It all depends on how much time I can take. Um, I'd love to be out there for the full 10 days. I would absolutely. It's um, however, it, you know, like Matt, you and I talked about this when, you know, when we were, I think when we were waiting for Hannah, it's, do you want to go out there and bust ass and really just 
work as hard as you can to get as far as you can? Or do you want to go out there and have a good time? And at least for me, the latter is the marathons. The, the people that do the marathons, I call them the party crew because you start at 8 a.m., you finish however long it takes you to finish your marathon, you get to eat, you get to hang out, you get to sleep, and you get to wake up. And really, 8 a.m. is a late start. Okay. Um, and yeah, so do you want to go out and bust ass and see really what you're capable of? Or do you want to go out and do you want to go out and party? And I'm feel I, I at least today, you know, talk to me next year. <laughs> I'm feeling the pull towards the party, the party crew, <laughs> not the misery crew. <laughs> Even the people who don't just do the marathon, but who do the Penta and the Deca. Now the, the, so the Penta is a five day marathon every single day. You start at 8 a.m. And it's based on your uh, total time. So they add up your time for each day. And then the DECA is the same thing, only 10 days. So a marathon a day for 10 days. And the people who do these tend to be the ones who are more in that party mindset. That's what she's talking about. And, yeah, but not just the single-day marathon. Well, yeah, she goes. Yeah. I think she's talking about the people who do the marathons. like. Okay. Because yeah. See, yeah, we never fight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so speaking of, so yeah, no, that's what I did mean. I mean, doing the the uh, penta or the deca. Yeah. That seems like that seems like the party crew. That's the fun. Like you're in it, you're with each other the entire time. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so a through. It's it's a, it's a through hike every day. Exactly. Like, no. Oh, can we can we pivot here and not talk about Infinitus for a second? Because I want to ask you about some questions. I have some questions. Did you guys, so, so you guys headed out for the PCT, right? Mm-hmm. And did you guys finish the PCT? Did you guys? Wait, this was their, I, we have to say this was their honeymoon. Yes. yes. Yeah. The PCT was, was their honeymoon. Yeah. Let's see how we got married in uh, September before, and then we left for the PCT in March. We did not finish the PCT. Okay. Uh, did probably about 1500 miles of it. So. I could figure it out, but I haven't bothered. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we we uh, we we weren't hitting the mileage goals that we needed to hit in order to uh, make it to the Canadian border in our time frame. Yep. So we skipped some of Northern Cal, most all of Northern California. All of Northern California. Um, and then we we hiked through Oregon, and then when we got to the Washington border, we were looking ahead at some of the. Uh, water and food carries and fire issues and hannah decided that she wasn't interested in continuing through washington given all the circumstances i do not like big mile days back to back to back mm-hmm. yeah. and or the idea of doing some of the stretches with 10 days of food on my back and neither one of us had any desire to have matt try to push me through that because it would have just been detrimental that would have been the fighting. <laughs> and so we got off trail and bought a truck and then spent a month and a half road tripping the Pacific Northwest and the way home back to the East Coast. Nice. That so like- <laughs> I feel like if you can survive on the trail for however long it takes to cover 1,500 miles together after just getting married – you're probably a-okay. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I waited until we were 10 days into the long trail uh, to ask her to marry me on the peak of Killington. 
Okay. I wanted to make sure that we could at least do 10 days on a through hike before we got married. <laughs> and so and I, how, did, how did you both meet? Well, we met on Tinder <laughs> while Matt was hiking the Appalachian Trail. And I, of course, the moment I found out that he was hiking the Appalachian Trail, I was just like, ooh, Trail Angel crew, you know, mama bear mode, dry bed, hot shower, good food, laundry done, charge the electronics, all of that. I picked him up on trail and now Matt does not like to have people go out of their way for him. He doesn't like to ask people for things. And so I had to kind of convince him to let me come pick him up. And cause, and it came down. I was to, in a shelter. There was a dog at the shelter. I already had my pad laid out and I had a bag of peanut M&Ms in my hand. And so, but I was just like, well, what's the closest road crossing? And he told me, and I said, great, I'll see you in an hour which was how long it was going to take him. And then he proceeded to stick around for three nights. I had to boot him back out on trail because he was like, I could just stay one more night. And I'm like, yeah, and then that's going to turn into one more night and one more night. So no, shoo. And I saw him every weekend from there to the end. He had a very cush last bit of his Appalachian Trail hours. through hike. And then I hiked Katahdin with him and he moved in. And here we are. So the... Hiking and, and doing big, long distances has just become a part of our life. But it was a part of mine prior yep. to our relationship starting um, in a different way. But and it's continuing to grow and evolve as he continues to do things like the 888. And I'm like, I will support you every day. <laughs> <laughs> just won't, I just won't do it myself. <laughs> no, I have zero desire to ever attempt the 888. Um, I don't even know if I have a desire to attempt the Deca or the Penta. I'm considering doing my own little version next year of a Deca, but I'm only going to do the nine mile loop. Mm, okay. Gives you a lot more free time, I'll tell you that. Well, I need the yeah. free time taking care of you. Yeah. And other people. Yeah. Yeah. So, Matt, where are you from originally? Uh, I am born and raised in uh, New Jersey, Camden, New Jersey, um, and I lived uh, for five years in Austin, Texas, before hiking the AT. Hey, me too, me too. So you're from Camden, Jersey? You don't claim Philadelphia? <laughs> it's <laughs> who I'm talking to. Sometimes, uh, like, I'll tell you I'm from Philly, and then when you say, oh, really, what part? The Jersey part. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, have a, I have a good buddy that's that's from Camden also, and he's like... And that's where he's like, I'm from Philly. I'm like, no, you're not. You're from Jersey. So. <laughs> then I always have to pull out the map and show them like how close Canada is. Yep. Really. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm I'm in a I'm in a suburb of of Philly, right? Yeah, it basically is a suburb. All of Jersey is either a suburb of Philly or a suburb of New York. It's a rough suburb of Philly. Got <laughs> 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 it. When, when when I was a kid, they had the uh, National Guard come in and take over because Camden police were corrupt. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Wild times. Yes. <laughs> now I know where you're from. Oh, yeah. It all just came full circle in my mind. <laughs> yeah, there's, so, there's, there's a lot of wild Camden stories. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's there's quite a few that uh, would probably still get me in trouble if I told you them. <laughs> Well, see, now I'm intrigued. Do tell. <laughs> and you two have been married for two years. Is that right? Year and a half. Year and a half. Okay. 
this coming so, September. So what what adventures, what things are you guys looking at for the future? I mean, because the the reason you two are so intriguing is not only because both of you are so incredibly kind and funny and, and great to be around, but you really, you know, it, it's nice to see, you know, to see other people who, you know, who kind of basically just want to be outside and just want to be together and, you know, want to develop friendships and deepen relationships through the outdoors. Well, so this year we're doing lots of little stuff close to home. Um, after taking six months off last year, I didn't have to quit my job. Uh, my job was ready and waiting for me when I came back. I'm not wanting to take off huge chunks of time in the next year or two. Um, I know that for me in the future, uh, the biggest thing I have for me personally is probably the Appalachian Trail and doing that solo without Matt. Like he'll support me in his ways. Matt's probably biggest thing. He's got two really big things that he's been looking at and talking at as far as long term. Uh, yeah. Uh, so me doing the 888 is really a means for me to continue a kind of vigorous training schedule so I can uh, move forward with plans to uh, potentially attempt a uh, calendar year triple crown. That mm. would be all three of the major hiking trails in one year. Um, I also, um, and, for, and to interrupt you for just a sec for yeah. our listeners who don't know what that is, if you could just tell everybody what triple crown is, I know Sean, I know we do, but just for those who may not. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, a calendar year triple crown would be a, uh, continuous through hike of the Appalachian trail, the Pacific crest trail and the continental divide trail. And, uh, the, the attempt is to do it within one calendar year. So you start, uh, the, the, the clock starts in January and ends in December, but you know, a lot of the hikers will start their actual hiking in like, you know, February or March and just eat those dead months. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, at, at some point I also want to successfully, uh, through hike all 11 of the national scenic trails. And I'm even considering, uh, attempting to do it as kind of an FKT endeavor, uh, you know, in, in a, in a very shortened period of time, it'll be multiple years, but I think I can potentially do it as the fastest known time to some extent. Well, if, if, and when you need support, hit us up. (laughs) Absolutely. Hannah, Hannah wants to, uh, so I would love it. I would love if I could make it, uh, like kind of a sponsored effort so I can afford to, have Hannah follow in a van and support me, uh, and, and not have to worry about her, um, you know, having to, uh, check in with work and, and keep up with work for the entire year, you know, but it's pipe dreams. Yeah. The, the and, triple and, crown is super hard cause it's so weather dependent. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Like if you were doing the PCT, like you'd be screwed this year. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's, that's, that's one of the worst parts is like, if there's a high snow year, like, there's no chance in passing yeah. that trail. And especially when they had a high snow year this year on both the PCT and the CDT. Yeah. And that's very problematic with trying to hit a weather window. Well, and then, and it's not just weather windows, it's fire windows. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of the fire. Yeah. But they, but, but it still counts, right? As long as you do your best to stay as close to the PCT as possible, right? Like if you have to bypass due to fire, right? Right. It's, 
usually they have official bypasses. Uh, there is some spots like there was a spot on the PCT last year where there was no official bypass. So if you were chasing an endeavor like that, you had to either pull an illegal move, like hike through a closed area of trail or uh, be upfront and honest about the fact that you shuttled around it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then, but together just like we did a road trip this year um, down to North Carolina for Tuck Fest, which is an outdoor festival at the U S national whitewater center. There's music, there's all sorts of outdoor things like there's running races and bike races and water races, rafting, uh, kayaking, stand-up paddle boards, and all these different things, along with live music and vendors. And along the way, we stopped and provided trail magic to people hiking the Appalachian Trail. And then on the way home, we did the same thing. And so some of those things we'll continue to do in different ways. Um, getting out, we both want to do more backpacking together. Um, oh, Hannah's got uh, some uh, solo backpacking trips coming up this summer. That it, uh, uh, <clears throat> what, what do we call them? Group solo. Group solo backpacking trips. <laughs> so the idea is on both of our social medias, we're, we're trying to get groups of people who want to try solo backpacking together. Um, so that way there's, there's accountability, there's safety in numbers. You know, uh, you have an agreement that if not everybody's at camp by a certain time, then, you know, we go back and check for them, things like that. But for the most part, they're, they're self-supported, they're, they're self-sustainable and they're all hiking at their own pace. And, uh, Hannah's got her first one coming up in like two weeks. No, next weekend. Next weekend. Yeah. Where, where are you doing these? Well, so my first one is, um, the 10th and the 11th and we're doing it on, um, a section of the Appalachian trail. Mm -hmm. And, we're going to be going from um, one trailhead up to uh, which is called Greengate Road up to the lookout shelter. And that's um, just going to be a, a lunch stop or break stop. It's a beautiful shelter. It's got this lookout on top of it. Like you take this little stairway up and you get almost 360 degree <laughs> views. And then we're going to hike down to the Wintiri shelter. And it's the first day is less than four miles. Like this is truly a, you really want to try, you really want to go, but you're unsure. And then we're going to spend the night. We're going to have a lazy Sunday morning and then hike out again, less than four miles back down to route 12. Um, then I have not picked the two nighter or the three nighter. Each one is going to be extending the mileage each day as well as the nights. And then my culmination is going to come in mid September, early October. I haven't picked the time and it's going to be on the Sunapee, uh, Monadnock Greenaway Trail, and we're gonna through. It's gonna be a through hike of that trail, which is approximately 50 miles and approximately 10 miles a day. Great. Well, if um, if you're sharing on social media, let me know. Just and we'll put it out on Zendurance um, to see. If we can get. And I think it's a great way to get. So many people are afraid to do these kind of things by themselves. Like, what yep. happens if? In this is this is a very very safe way to approach it. I think it's awesome. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing that I get on my social media is, uh, you know, what about the bugs? What about this? What about that? And those kind of concerns are really the only thing that you can quell with confidence. And the only way to gain that confidence is to get out there and experience it for yourself. That you know you are going to experience some bugs, but it's not that bad. You know, and you there's ways of ways of dealing. 
and you can and you can keep going or being concerned about you know animals and the experience of knowing that when you camp around other people the likelihood is that the animals aren't going to come around because they don't want to be near people as long as you follow best practices with your food because that's the really the only thing that's going to attract animals is your food mm-hmm. right right i think it's great i think it's great i think this world would be a much better place if we got outside a lot more. I completely I agree. agree with that. That's uh, that one one key in my mental health is is getting outside and uh, walking uh, through these trails and, and and experiencing the outdoors. Absolutely. All right. So, Matt, having spent a vast amount of time on trail, what's the craziest thing you've seen? Wow. Uh, I don't know if I've seen anything that crazy on trail, to be completely honest. I mean, <clears throat> I was 500 miles north of uh, the incident on the AT in 2019 where there was uh, a, a guy with, with a machete. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, luckily for me, I, I wasn't anywhere near that, so I didn't get to see it. We had a uh, really scraggly dog show up at a shelter on Standing Indian Mountain at, in the middle of nowhere on the Appalachian Trail, early on in Georgia. And uh, that dog was in the privy growling at everybody and not letting anybody use the privy. Um, obviously, the dog was scared and, you know, whatever, and probably hungry. Um, so finally, uh, one of the hikers there was able to coax the dog out and brought it down to a road. And now she actually adopted the dog and the dog lives with her. Oh, it's wild. Yeah, yeah. Um, outside of that, though, I don't, I don't know if I've really experienced anything that I would call that crazy. Um, I guess I'm pretty lucky that I don't have a lot of wild animal encounters. There's the bobcat. The bobcat. that We didn't see it. We heard it. Um, I had heard it way off in the distance when we were in our in the tent going to bed. And then I woke up around midnight to go to the bathroom and I hear this sound. And my first thought was that I was hearing a um, fisher cat. And then I was like, but fisher cats don't bark. And like, it was this really weird barking sound. I'll send you a YouTube video when we're all done. If you want to include the sounds (laughs) because it is. So we're in the tent and all of a sudden, and I have to go to the bathroom. So I kind of wake Matt up (laughs) and he, he pulls his New Jersey tough guy. Uh, yeah, I gave I gave it the old Jersey tough guy. I was like, hey, get out of here. <laughs> and so of course, now knowing that it's a cat, it got curious and came closer. So the, the He was not scared of the Jersey guy. There's a tree right next to where we were that had like this that had been like kind of toppled over. It was about 12 feet in the air. And all the and we hear it again and it's on it. So it was like 20 feet from our tent above us. And then it it took off and I was able to get out, go to the bathroom. We heard it again in the morning. And when we looked it up, it was a bobcat. That was pretty kind of intense. Um, Literally, because we were intense. Uh, 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 (laughs) My humor's rubbing off on her. Was was that on the East Coast? Yeah. That was in Vermont. That was uh, Um, uh, north of Killington in Vermont. I was going to say, because if it's on the West Coast, it gets a little scarier, right? Yeah. No, we were south of Killington. We were south of Killington. We were somewhere near Killington. We were oh. south. 
We were. Um, yeah, you're right. Uh, north of Clarendon Shelter. Mm-hmm. You're right. When uh, we were when we were in Idlewild, California, I went. Um, we we took a zero day off the PCT, and I went and hiked 12 miles up San Jacinto. Uh, and the whole time I was on my way up there at like four in the morning, I was just waiting to see a mountain lion. You know, it's like, this is when it's going to happen. Yeah. We took, we took a couple zero days in Idlewild and he got sick of sitting around. So he went and did a 12 mile hike while I'm like, my feet and legs are still killing me. I need this time off. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go for a hike. Okay. So Hannah, how about you? What, uh, have you seen any crazy things? Craziest I've seen on trail. (laughs) Death race. Death race. Um, yeah, she's got the the real fun stories. The stuff that, uh, Andy and Jack used to put on the infinitus course. Like I was trying to describe, was I trying to describe it to you, Matt? I think I was, I can't. Yeah. yeah, It's hard to, I miss the clowns and mirrors. Yeah. There would be a clown costume. He had this yep. creepy, like, pig head. The pig was scary. Yeah. The mirror, the, the Alice the in Wonderland awesome. mirror. There, and then he had, like, these stuffed cats. Yep. And one year the there baby. were heads in a, like, that were in jars. <laughs> Blowing jars. Yep. There was <laughs> weird, creepy stuff. So that's, that, I mean, death race for sure. What about frostbite, though? Oh, that was Andy. Uh, it, Jason uh, Spare he, saved him. Um, with his, he had uh, gotten frostbite, and I was the one who was managed to convince him to go to the ER. So he, because he, I'm tight, glad you did. He tightened his boots and his the straps on his snowshoes too tight during extremists one year. So that that was a pretty gnarly. I mean, racers' feet at Infinite mm-hmm. Death Race. Dina nominee racer's feet is probably one of the craziest things. And especially when you know that they're still putting miles in on these feet. And, you know, speaking of death race, I'm really upset with myself for letting my feet uh, fall apart the way that they did because uh, Doug, that's how you know, Doug, right? Yeah. Dr. Doug's miracle bombs. We we have plenty of that stuff. I should have been putting it on my feet the whole time, but I wasn't. But you know what, Matt, you get to this point when you're so tired that if you weren't at camp, you could probably just curl up literally in the middle of the trail and sleep. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you wanted to at at two in the morning. I considered uh, we walked past where they were doing construction on the dam before. And I considered taking some of their ground cloth and and rolling it Mm -hmm. up, taking a nap there. I was like, when I did the 888, I was about to curl up on the trail and I, I, and I made myself this deal. I'm going to get to the aid station, then I'm going to, you know, get cleaned up, and then I'm just going to curl up somewhere for like 15 minutes. And I ended up seeing a friend, and she said, and I had told her this. She says, "I have my truck. Do you want to come in and just take it?" And it was hot, so I went in her truck. She had a big like Sam's Club thing of toilet paper, and I used that as my pillow. And she turned the air conditioning on and, and I said to her, I still have this picture. I said, please take a picture of me. And anytime I ever want to do anything this stupid, can you please show me this picture? And there's like, my face is swollen. I'm sleeping on toilet paper, but I was so happy. Like I just, to be in a truck, leaning on toilet paper as a pillow, as opposed to just curling up on a dirt trail was, yeah. was luxury. <laughs> 
it's 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 rough in Vermont curling up on a trail. So like I've taken plenty of trail naps yep. in the West because it's dry. I mean, you look yeah. for you look for snakes and tarantulas, and then you're like, oh, I can just put my pack down and take a little nap here. And but in Vermont, you're like, it's all wet and gnarly and dirty oh. and yeah, there's, bugs. There's there's moose crap all over the place. There's yeah. probably a porcupine while you're laying there. You know. Yeah. Yeah. We we cowboy camped on the west coast. I'm a, I'm a lot more hesitant to cowboy camp on the east coast. Right. Bug net. <laughs> like I'd sleep if I were cowboy camping on the east coast. I'd sleep in my bug net. Yeah, I think that. Would be, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So. And what do you guys both do for work? So how do you how do you juggle life and how do you juggle work and what you love to do and all that good stuff? You have a dog. So my answer is simple. Um, when when there's something uh, that I want to do that requires me to not be at work, uh, I let my employer know that I'm not going to be available for that time and either that's going to work for them or it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, still going to do what I'm going to do. And, uh, so that being said, I have a, a history of, uh, not having jobs when I come back from long endeavors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have people that are really amazing to work for. Uh, I was able to take a month off when we did the long trail. I took six months off last year. So I'm an executive assistant. I work in the business office of a small family owned civil and environmental engineering firm. And yes, I have my little spiel down <laughs> and they take really good care of me. I take really good care of them and I have the flexibility to be able to live the life that I want to live. And perfect. So that works really well for me. You know, I came back from six months and had a guaranteed job. Nice. I've, I've been, I've been a bartender, uh, right now I'm a maintenance man, um, I just I keep uh, a, a back pocket full of skills that uh, at any given time I know that I'm hireable, so I'll be fine. Perfect. Without giving away your exact location, what are you, where are you guys right now? Are you you guys are in Vermont, right? Yes. Yes. Central, northern, southern. Bethel. Forty-five. Ellington. Oh, you're like you're like you live in Josh's town. Josh. Josh White. Yes. Yeah. Dr. Josh. Dr. Josh. I'm like, which Josh? Oh, yeah. Josh Fiore just moved to Lebanon, which is the town that I work in. Oh, Josh is, is in Vermont now? He's in New Hampshire, New, Lebanon, New Hampshire, which okay. is right over the border. Right over the border. I work in. Yep. Awesome. Do you yeah, want, so I'll have to, to stop by and say hi next time I'm in Killington. You should. Absolutely. You should. I could take you on a hike up these uh, uh, snowmobile trails. Yeah, we've got a whole host of snowmobile trails and uh, old railroad beds and old logging roads literally behind where we live. Like, it's you walk out the door and you're on them. Which, who am I running? I have a lot of those, too. That's I spend a lot of time on those. Now, are the snowmobile trails full of stinging nettle? <laughs> 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 Some parts, but not all, not like the ones that are close to us. No, but there's definitely some that are. 
I, I brought in a running coach to help me increase my pace. Uh, so I, I can, saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So I can finish Infinitus next year. And, uh, He's gonna he's gonna take big he's gonna take advantage of, of these hills right outside of the house and, and send me up these hills all summer to, to increase my pace. Well and he was also talking about being like, Oh, I'm gonna have you, you know, do some like nighttime miles and be like go out at midnight for some stuff. And I was just like, Man, it is so nice that you don't have to get in a car. Yeah, and drive somewhere and drive somewhere to get that. You can literally just walk out the front door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great to you have. Know- that was one of Sean's suggestions when I was training for the 888 because I was trying to think like what is going to be the hardest piece for me and it's being tired. So I think I think I did it for two or three weeks. I can't remember, but just picked a weird time. I'd wake up at one o'clock in the morning. I'd wake up at four o'clock in the morning. I'd wake up whatever it was because I have all those. I have lots of trails and stuff around me. But yeah, just learning how to run when you're tired. And it's also, it's a very cool spiritual experience to be awake in the middle of the night, looking at the stars. There's typically nobody out except like paper delivery people. I, you know, I would see them like at four or five o'clock in the morning, starting to drive, you know, starting to drive around. Um, But some of the things that I've seen on those treks by myself in the middle of the night, really cool. I have some very fun memories from all those. Yeah, you see some really neat stuff at night. I mean, that's that's when all the normal people are asleep, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> see, and I like night miles. Matt does not. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's why I had, that's why I had to practice them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's hard. Uh, it slows me down. I don't I – get, I get very easily demoralized when I'm moving a lot slower than I anticipated I would be. So uh, it, it really just kind of starts me into that mental black hole. Um, so I just, I have to get more adept at it. I have to do it more, um, often and I have to get more confident with it. It's weird training night miles by yourself, not on a course. Yeah. Cause it's, that's terrifying in a lot of ways, <laughs> right? Like there's, there's a whole, whole world of crazy stuff you can't see out there. Yep. Yep, and every once in a while, your your headlamp will catch some eyes or something in the woods, and you're just like, "Oh boy, what is that?" <laughs> or you hear a chipmunk, and it sounds like it is so much bigger, yeah, than it really uh, is. I saw a lot of skunks. That's typically what I would see in the middle of the night, yeah. and it was sort of like, "Okay, buddy, you do your thing. I'm going to do my thing. We'll go our own ways." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, I'm not here for you. Just leave me alone. All the scary stuff that I've ever seen running has been during the day. I don't think I've ever had anything truly like that made me nervous happen at night. I've only scared myself at night. Yeah. Really? That's that's the thing. It's like, it's terrifying once you get in your own head. It is. I always feel, I always feel really comfortable on a course. I'm like, well, there's so many people going through that it Mm -hmm. keeps everything away. But like once you're, out there by yourself you're like i'm not enough to scare anything away at this point (laughs) especially when i'm you know 13 hours into this run and i'm super tired you know if something attacks me it it could have me (laughs) that's it that's why i start singing i i pick a song and i just start belting it out because no one's around nobody's gonna hear me except if there's an animal that's kind of curious and they hear me belting out some stupid song they're gonna be like yeah I'll move on. I don't want to bug her. <laughs> it's interesting. I found um, 
being in like all the time I spent on trail in Vermont, uh, some of the time I spent in New Hampshire compared to the time I spend in Connecticut because the population density is so high in Connecticut that it forces the wildlife into small areas. I've seen way more wildlife in Connecticut on any given day than I have ever in Vermont because it's just it's, so it's vast. Funny you say that, Sean. I was literally having that conversation with somebody yesterday going, yeah, I don't really see that much up here. I mean, there's a lot of squirrels, chipmunks, you know, that, that kind of thing, skunks. But I, all the bears, all the stuff that I saw in Connecticut, I, I haven't seen half the number of bears that I saw when I was running in Connecticut. You just yeah. don't. Yeah, usually I tell people around here, uh, you might see you might see a bear or deer or something, but you're going to see them running away from you. And that's exactly. about, you know, because they the only they usually hear you before um, you see them, and they're usually taken off because it's a lot less dense in population. There's a lot more um, room out there for them to roam, and, and it's a lot quieter here because there's a lot less people. I literally on trail yesterday ran by a deer that was no longer no no further than like three feet away from me. Didn't move. Just stared at me as I ran by. I think I've encountered that in the New Jersey, uh, New York, Connecticut corridor a lot on the AT too. It's just they they just stop and kind of stare at you. You know, we had some of that on the PCT, but you're right here. I've seen a bear on trail once. I've lived in Vermont my entire life. Hmm. Um. I've never seen a deer when I've been out hiking in Vermont. Um, but but we see them like walk across our front lawn and stuff. Right, <laughs> right. Um, I've seen a porcupine on trail. Yep. Uh, I was about to say I've seen raccoons, but that was when we were on the West Coast and we were uh, camping in the truck. <laughs> we could not figure out what the sound was until all of a sudden we saw it and it was a family of raccoons and we had them also bugging us when we were camping one time at a campground, but no, you really don't see stuff around here that often. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's so much safer. And I I just think it's bad guys, so to speak, aren't really deep in the woods waiting for you. You know, but however, if I'm running down the road or some busy street, I feel like I'm more at risk um, yeah, than I would ever be on a trail. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you, you've you've been in an accident on the road before, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's less than a mile from my house. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing how like you we convince ourselves it's going to happen, you know, when we're far away and out in the middle of nowhere. And then it happens, you know, out while you're out front. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there are things you have to pay attention to out in the woods, but on the whole, it is a lot safer out there than it is in the middle of society. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like thinking about Hannah's commentary on society right there. (laughs) (laughs) It caught me off guard too. (laughs) I feel like, I feel like maybe there's, there's some feelings there that need to be addressed. <laughs> I love people, but it's like, they're just, it's safer out in the middle of nowhere than it is in the middle of society. It is. I Ugh. do. 
I do think that when you do long distance events, whatever it is, um, I always think the craziest thing is seeing the different ecosystems. Like mm-hmm. on like one like one adventure, you might like see like you might go through like four or five different like ecosystems. It might be like a pine forest and then a hardwood forest and then like you said, like a swamp. It's that's it's always so amazing to me, like the diversity that exists in that yeah. and the way it all like interchanges and like interconnects to each other. And in how small of an area yep. you can have such different some sometimes it comes down to ecosystems uh, north south uh west side of the mountain you know yeah as the trail goes around the mountain you get different you know ecosystems it's really it's really interesting yeah i mean prime example is like if you hike the at section from uh killington or from pico like up around killington it just the way it changes the way you different sides of the of the at you're on on that section yeah Absolutely. I was up there just a few weeks ago and there was still a, ha- a foot and a half of snow up there. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just really is. It's in it's. I love how different it can be. It's it, you're not walking through the same thing for the whole time. Like it changes. And so you might see these type of plants here and then you'll see totally different ones here. And different birds because of the different vegetation and it's just it's really cool because you'll hear different types of birds here versus here yeah i I can usually identify um like if we're watching a uh a hiker on the appalachian trail or something i can usually identify what part of the trail they're on just based on the plants and stuff behind them i'm I'm almost always uh entirely accurate with it too yeah i mean within miles yeah like he'll be like oh i think they're here and it's almost and then they'll say and he's, you know, usually pretty spot on. He's pretty close to where they are. But it's it's that's how how diverse it, it can get is that you, you can you could really pinpoint it to within a few miles. That's excellent. That's cool. Well, I am so grateful for you two coming on and, and sharing your experiences. I think we'll probably have to have you on again just to hear how these adventures, you know, over the next over the next few go. Um Hannah, please keep us updated on your backpacking adventures and uh, and we will share, um, you know, we'll share the link and see if we can get some people out there to, to join you both. Um, it was so great seeing you guys this year. Um, and Hi, Sean, you really got to get you out there next year. Yeah, Sean, please come out there. It sounds, it sounds like you got some <laughs> I could uh, uh, absorb. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I'll try and make it out next year. Oh yeah, I do. I mean, the thing about it is, I really do love that family, and like that is a family that I don't get to see too frequently, and so it is. It is a good experience to go out there, even if I don't race or do anything and just hang out. Absolutely. So. I mean, if luckily, if I if I can go out and just get injured on day one, and then just get to hang out and have, (laughs) you know, that. that. No. <laughs> if you get injured, you get injured, but no, not on day one. <laughs> All right. So you two picked our outtake song. Can you tell us what song you picked and why? 
Well, we picked a song called uh, Walking Slow by The Animal Years. Uh, it is the song that we played um, as kind of the uh, walking out of our ceremony song uh, at our wedding. Um, and it, it's it's mostly meaningful to us, uh, you know, because of the lyrics and uh um, it's it's already associated with the backpacking world because it's it's used on on a backpacking podcast. So um, I think it just kind of naturally fell um, into our laps and worked for both of us. And it's got a nice little beat to it. Yeah, it's it's a fun, happy song. Yes, awesome. it is. And because Matt is, if you find him on trail, unless he has just rolled his ankle and he is hiking out the pain, he is always smiling. He is always happy on trail. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll listen and enjoy. And again, thank you both. Yeah, thanks so much. Talk to y'all. Hope to see you soon. Likewise. Absolutely. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.
of animal years.